0: You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no nonsense advice with thought provoking interviews. Welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist and family nurse practitioner and chief nursing officer at Nurse.org. On this episode, I want to talk about something that's really groundbreaking, especially since we've been in this COVID pandemic struggling. With still high number of deaths, over 815,000 people have died since the pandemic's begun. We've had millions of people infected. And now we have Omicron, which is taken over. It has taken over Delta as the most prominent and most contagious strain. So a lot of things going on. And also because of Omicron, we are finding that some of our initial therapies and treatments may not be as effective as we once thought they were. Omicron has over 30 to 40 mutations on the spike protein, which has made it to be more contagious as well. It is learning or showing us, I should say, that it is starting to evade some of our vaccine immunity as well as some of our natural immunity. So we are starting to see more breakthrough infections in those who are fully vaccinated. Now, when we talk about being fully vaccinated, Provided you have received your initial series, so if you've received a Johnson & Johnson vaccine, you're fully vaccinated. If you receive both doses of your Moderna or Pfizer, you are fully vaccinated. Now, if you were someone who's immunocompromised and you got the mRNA vaccines, then your initial vaccine series was three, but you're fully vaccinated. So why is it we are starting to see breakthrough infections in people who are fully vaccinated? Well, that's because we've started to see some waning immunity from our vaccines, especially those who were early on and got vaccine early as soon as they were available. If you were someone who got your vaccine in December, last year in December, you are already one year out. So, what happens? The waning immunity coupled with variants that are mutating and learning how to evade some of our vaccines. You have people who just are not adhering to standard precautions. They're going out, they're not wearing masks, especially around people of unknown vaccine or COVID status. And, you know, especially in these winter months, everybody's indoors, windows are closed, we don't have good ventilation, we're just fatigued and just want to get back to normal life. So we're not doing everything the way we should be doing it. And here we are, two years into a pandemic, still working on our herd immunity. We're, I don't know that we're quite there yet. I believe last I checked, we were 75% of US citizens had at least one. COVID vaccine, we still have a long ways to go, but we've made some accomplishments along the way, right? So now we uh, used to be 16 and up, if you had Pfizer, could get vaccinated. Then that went to five, we included our 12 and up, and now five and up can get vaccinated, which is a good thing. We're, We're getting more and more people vaccinated, and I'm sure as we move forward, we will start to see younger groups get emergency use authorized for vaccines. But until then, I need to talk about this breaking news that i initially, that's what I really came on here to talk about, was the first ever, and second, FDA emergency use authorized oral medication used to help combat COVID. Now, when I say combat COVID, it is not a substitute for vaccines. It is not for prevention, but it is once you already have been diagnosed and are symptomatic of COVID there's an oral medication that you can now take at home. It's a prescription. So your provider has to prescribe it to you. And the reason why it has to be prescribed is because there are things about this medication that we need to screen people to make sure that it's appropriate and it's safe, okay? It's not for everyone. It's not, it's really not for everyone. And so the makers of these pills are Pfizer uh, and Pfizer's medication is called Paxlovid, And we have the Merck pill, which is Malpurnivir. I think I said those right. Those are some very, you know, good scrabble words, I should say. These are antivirals. Basically, these medications are meant to inhibit, prevent, mess up the replication of coronavirus once you've been infected so that it can't replicate and grow and multiply inside your body. Therefore, hopefully, remember you already have COVID, therefore, minimizing your symptoms illness and also hopefully shortening the length of your illness that's the goal of the medications and the Pfizer pills pills because there's more than one of the pills have been shown to be 88% effective at reducing severe illness and death and the Merck pill 30% effective at preventing moderate to severe illness and death now i know those are there's a big difference in those percentages but there's something for everyone and in the event that you don't have access to one. If you're someone who's at high risk for progression to severe illness or death, hey, something is better than nothing. Now, let me break down these two pills. So they were emergency use authorized by the FDA just a couple of days ago. The Pfizer medication that was approved is called Paxlovid. It's a combination drug, it's an antiviral. The two pills that are a part of this combination are Nirmatravir which what it does is it acts on the enzyme that replicates the virus in the cells. So it breaks down that enzyme. So it can't replicate. And then the other part of the combination is rotanavir and that medication actually helps to increase the amount of the first drug, stay in your body longer and have a greater effect for a longer period of time. So again, three pills twice a day for five days and you one would need to be COVID positive and start this regimen within five days of diagnosis and symptoms, even better before three days. But now here's a tricky thing. Once you've been diagnosed, and this is for 12 and up, 12 and up who have high risk for progression of severe illness. Okay. Now here's the caveat. Let's say I'm someone, I have a couple of risk factors. I've been diagnosed with COVID. I'm not super duper symptomatic. Maybe I have a little bit of a headache and a little runny nose or congestion. I have to decide along with my provider, because a a healthcare provider has to prescribe this, say, hey, I think you're at risk for progression of the disease. I want you to take these medications. This particular medication has been said to decrease moderate illness and death by 89% compared to those who had the placebo, which was nothing. That's pretty... You know, compelling. That's pretty compelling. But the people who were who were studied in this weren't unvaccinated and had some type of risk factor. But the thing is, they were unvaccinated. So here's my thinking. If you didn't trust taking a vaccine, will you trust taking a pill that's emergency use authorized? Hmm. Something to think about, right? Something to think about. You could have had a vaccine that would have very likely, hopefully, prevented you from even getting COVID, but now you got COVID are you going to trust taking a pill? Very interesting. It's very interesting. And I'll, and, and I'll talk about that a little bit more because sometimes when people get into the hospital and they're really sick, it's like, oh, give me anything. I, I'll try anything. But before you got to the hospital, you were very leery. And again, this is a medication that you would take outpatient. If you're sick enough to be in the hospital, this pill ain't for you. Now, that's not to say that providers won't try this Hail Mary if someone's already that sick. But again, this really only is helpful if started within the first five days, better three days of diagnosis and symptoms. So that's the one pill, that's the Pfizer pill. Now we have the other one, which was made by Merck, Malpurnivir. Now this medication also works by um, preventing the replication of the coronavirus. What it does is it tries to retard or inhibit the production, the genetic information of the virus, so it can't be functional and do its damage. Now with the Merck pill, it's only approved for 18 and up. And reason being is because that it can cause problems for bone and cartilage production, creation. So we don't want to give this to little kids because little kids are still growing. And this is four pills twice a day for five days. Same thing. You need to be diagnosed and have COVID. Take it as early as possible, ideal within the first five days. To keep the viral load low, hopefully, again, decreasing and minimizing your symptoms and your the severity of the illness and hopefully the length of the illness. Now, the second one, Merck, has been shown to reduce severe illness and death by 30%. Now, I know it's not as high as the Pfizer pill. However, in the event that you are sick, diagnosed with COVID, and you don't have anything else available to you, and all you have available is the Merck, this is what we got. Something is better than nothing. Both medications have some contraindication and some considerations, especially if you have liver conditions or kidney conditions, or if you might be on some other medications that can have can interact negatively with these medications. That's why your healthcare provider has to prescribe this. And just to name some, there are some cholesterol medications, some antiarrhythmic medications, some gout medications, some pulmonary medications artery hypertension medications that can interact with this med- with these COVID pills. And that's, that's not an exhaustive list. Just wanted to tease, throw a teaser out there that, hey, if you're on any medications, prescription medications, you got to talk to your provider, which will likely be the provider who's going to decide if this COVID pill is for you in the event you find out that you are diagnosed with COVID and are at risk for severe illness progression. Now, again, emergency use authorized. The people in this study also, people of color, elderly, had some type of pre-existing condition that put them at risk for severe complications of COVID. So these are the folks who were in the study. And, you know, seems like they did better with the COVID pill. Now, the hard part is, are we going to be able to get people to take the COVID pill if prescribed to them by a provider, especially if they were someone who did not take the vaccine because they didn't trust the vaccine. It was emergency use authorized. They wanted to wait more data. Are they going to do same thing for these oral medications? Well, that is something that we will find out soon as both medications have received FDA emergency use authorization. Pretty soon they will be shipped out all across the nation and providers will begin to prescribe these medications and we'll see what's going to happen. Now, who's going to get how many and what and how this will really roll out? Still to be determined, I'm not sure. I know the US government has purchased a fair amount of them. So I imagine if the government has purchased them that these medications will be prescribed and given at no charge. But will we have enough pills for all of the people that need them? And what if you don't have a healthcare provider to even prescribe it to you? How are you gonna get it? Are you gonna have to go to the emergency room and then get it prescribed? Like, I don't know yet. So more to come on that. It's just nice to know that we do have another tool in our arsenal kit here because with variants like Omicron, which by the way now is the most dominant variant responsible for new infections, last um, checked, um, CDC said 73% of all new cases were due to Omicron. There are over 30 mutations to the spike protein of the Omicron strain, which is how and why it makes it more contagious. It's able to latch on and get into our cells. It has learned to evade some of our vaccine immunity and our natural immunity if you have some. And especially since these things have begun to wane already. You know, we, we we saw a major spike of cases. We had people dying left and right, people were getting vaccinated, and now it's been several months. Infection rates were initially going down, the spike of People getting vaccinated was really early on. They were getting vaccinated and then that kind of weaned down. And so there's been some time. There's been a window of time for the natural immunity and the vaccine immunity to wane, which is why now we have boosters. So if you are someone who's received the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, after six months, you're eligible for a booster. If you receive the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, after two months, you're eligible for a booster. Now, if you don't get the booster, are you still considered fully vaccinated? Yes, you are. You're still most likely very well protected from moderate to severe illness and death. However, because of Delta, Omicron, and probably some other strains that are on the way, um, it's going to be best that you get boosted to really ramp up your immune system to help offset and decrease the chances of you getting infected in the future. It's like your gas tank's getting empty. It's going to try, time to fill it up. Fill her up, guys. Got to fill her up while still continuing to take precautions. Aha. Uh-huh. I think some people have gotten vaccinated and they're kind of like, oh, I can return to life as normal, take off these masks and get back to my regular activities. I don't necessarily need to be a socially distanced because I'm already vaccinated. Well, we kind of got a little complacent there, guys. We were hoping that was going to be the way this was going to go, but these variants started to pop up and showed us that "Mm -mm, not yet, not yet. We're, we're, we still, we still have some time to go. So it's going to be important. Now, if you're in your own home, if your own family members, yeah, the mask can come off. If you're family, your friends that you're always around, you know you're all fully vaccinated, you're all taking precautions. For the most part, you, you can take your masks off, right? In your home and things like that. But if you're going to a public setting, especially here in Los Angeles, which is where I'm located, it is required to wear masks in public buildings and spaces. And I know when you're outside, the air is going to dilute any potential coronavirus. However, if you're at a carnival, you're at a fair, you're at a concert, and there are people around you that you don't know and that you're going to be passing by. Better put that mask on. Better put that mask on. I'm not trying to get COVID, y'all. I am too cute for COVID, right? Besides, I'm as a nurse, I'm also fatigued with taking. I love taking care of people, but I am tired, tired, tired. Okay, I'm still do it, but I want everybody to continue to take precautions. And I'm saying this out of love, because I'm not the only nurse, the doctor, healthcare provider who's tired. We are doing any everything we can to help take care of you. Now, do your part. And take care of yourself by taking the proper actions. Okay, one of those actions, by if I'm going to go ahead and say, it's also testing. Testing's going to become more of a thing. It's going to become part of our daily routine, weekly routine. When it comes to traveling, events, school, work, testing's important. Okay, first off, you want to know before. So if you are positive, you can sit your butt at home. Now, after going to the events, maybe somebody was there who wasn't as cautious as you were, who wasn't as honorable as you were and had COVID and was there, or maybe they were there and didn't even know they had COVID, you could have potentially been exposed, get a test a couple days later. That will be helpful and really narrow the window down as far as if people do eventually convert to being positive, taking more frequent tests, you'll be able to have a more narrow window and pinpoint where you are and are less likely to go on for periods of time with potentially exposing people unknowingly. So a lot still going on with COVID. I didn't want to drag this on too long, but I really wanted to talk about the COVID pills. right? I think that's something that's very important. Again, we have waning immunity from our vaccines and from natural immunity. We have new variants that are coming about. And as well, some of our other treatments, most of them, which all have been required some kind of poke, whether a vaccine, convalescent therapy, monoclonal antibodies, antivirals, all given IV or you know, intramuscular with a shot. This is an oral medication that people can now take. It's going to be more convenient. The government's paying for this. So it is expensive. I know it's free to, might might be free to us right now, but it's not really free. It's coming out of our tax dollars. But, you know, this is helpful, especially since when it comes to our monoclonal antibodies, two of the three monoclonal antibody treatments that we have available for us, two out of the three have been rendered not effective against covid the manufacturers are aware of it. They're trying to update their formulas. They're looking, talking to the FDA about possibly once they discover the formula that works, fast tracking it for emergency use authorization. But again, we're fighting a new war against new strains with old tools. One of the things that we know works, at least is preventing death, right? That's what it's all about, preventing death. Over 815,000 deaths, and we're trying to prevent that, okay? So Get vaccinated. Get your booster, get tested, take precautions, wear masks in public places, especially around people you don't know if you're, especially if you're going to be in close contact with them, which is within six feet for more than 15 minutes or your repeated exposure to them. Like myself as a nurse, I'm in and out, in and out of your patients, the patient's room. Um, But let's protect ourselves. Okay. We have, this is exciting. I don't have much else to say about the COVID pill right now because we haven't started giving it yet. It's just been emergency use authorized. It's probably on planes, trains, and automobiles getting to where it needs to get to. So we'll talk about this more, but I wanted to let you know it's on the way. It's on the way, guys. Okay. I'm Nurse Alice. I want to thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I love talking to you guys. As a nurse, it's important to me that my fellow colleagues, physicians, nurses, anyone else in the healthcare field is aware of these type of things so we can talk to our patients about them. But as well, I'm a consumer. I got questions. I got and, you know, I want to know too for myself and for my friends. So, um, that's why I like talking to y'all about these type of things. Now, if you have a question or comment, want to hear about something else, please send them to Nurse Alice at nurse.org, okay? And check out nurse.org, tons of great information there for nurses, aspiring nurses, um, people in the healthcare profession and think everything and anything that impacts nursing personally, professionally. Those type of things. And please share the podcast. Love for you to share it with your friends, coworkers, colleagues, classmates, and that kind of sorts. And let us know what you think. Rate it, review it, subscribe to it so you don't miss an episode. And stay in touch with me, guys. I'm Nurse Alice. You can follow me on all things social at Ask Nurse Alice. And until next time, guys, please, 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 please make good choices, be kind to one another, and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.